Hello, everyone, and welcome to the special edition of Employment Matters, brought to you by the Employment Law Alliance, the world's largest network of labor employment lawyers from the best law firms around the globe. I'm your host, Steve Hirschfeld. Well, today is Tuesday, which makes it a very special day. Because on Tuesdays, we have what's called Travel Tuesday, where each week we get the chance to dial in one of our members from around the globe to share with us what it's like to do business in their jurisdiction. And today, we're going to learn a little bit about the great state of South Carolina. And I'm pleased to welcome to the show Elizabeth Gibbs and Amanda Williams, who are from Parker Poe in Charleston. How are you folks today? Great, thanks. Doing well, thank you. It's great to have you folks here. You know, a lot of people know about South Carolina. Some people don't know it much at all. Give us a sense. Let's say that we are a company overseas, Europe, looking to open a manufacturing plant in South Carolina. And obviously, I know that you got a lot of automobile manufacturers in South Carolina right now. What's it like to do business in your state? Do one of you want to kick that off? Sure. I think South Carolina, it's a small but powerful state. We have about 5 million residents in the state of South Carolina. We're dispersed across the state. We've got the upstate, which is near the mountains, and more than 1 million in the upstate region, as well as home to BMW and Clemson University. We sort of meander southeast a little bit through Columbia, which is the capital of the state and has one of the largest universities in the University of South Carolina, down to the coast of Charleston. And the Charleston region has a little over 800,000 residents in our regional area and boasts the city of Charleston, which we've already spoken about, has been voted the number one city for 10 consecutive years by travel and leisure as a hospitality hub. We've got a lot of manufacturing, but also other industries within the state. From manufacturing and automotive, as you mentioned, we've got BMW in the upstate. It's the largest BMW plant in the world. And then we have in the low country, the Charleston area. We have Volvo now. We've got Mercedes vans. We've got Bosch and a lot of other large foreign, but also domestic companies such as Boeing. How has it come about that so many of these large European automobile manufacturers ended up in South Carolina? What's the history behind that? Is there something about your state that's unique in terms of its economy or labor force? Any sense for that? Yeah, and I I think from a historic perspective, we started as a state big in the textile and equipment industry. South Carolina, along with North Carolina and a lot of the southeastern states, were large textile manufacturing industry and the equipment manufacturers were predominantly based in Europe and being along the East Coast and being along the Southern United States from a time perspective and otherwise served as a great place to be. I heard one statistic at one point in the upstate Spartanburg was home to the largest number of foreign companies per capita. I don't know that that's true right now, but it had been a hub for foreign direct investment for many, many years. When BMW came in the 1990s, that's when the automotive really stepped up because we've got a well-trained workforce. We have a good university and technical college system, and we have a friendly employment environment, which Amanda can certainly speak to. Yeah, I'd like to talk a little bit about that, Amanda. First, labor unions. Are they a big deal in your state or not? No, they're not. And you know, South Carolina is a very pro-employer state. We're an at-will state and a right-to-work state. You know, we don't require union membership. In fact, we have 
a very low unionization rate of 2%, one of the lowest in the United States. And so it, it makes it a very favorable place for employers. That's one reason. And another reason is our low labor costs and our workforce development programs, which you know Elizabeth kind of mentioned a little bit earlier about the technical college systems. We have a lot of different training programs that are offered to employers coming to the state. So all of that makes it a very favorable location for employers. Now, one of the things that always surprises those overseas is that like in the U.S., every state's got a different rule on things like non-competes, unfair competition, protection, trade secrets, that sort of thing. Since you got so much automobile business down there, let's say that, you know, a German company opened a plant somewhere in South Carolina, and then another plant opened up nearby and they want to steal away the employees. Are there any non-compete protections in your state? First of all, are non-competes even enforceable in South Carolina? What, what are the, Amanda, what are the rules on that? Yeah, so non-competes are enforceable in South Carolina, though I, I think the same rule applies in a lot of jurisdictions where generally courts don't favor them. Their enforceability is governed by common law. So South Carolina courts have set forth a series of factors that need to be met in order for non-competes to enforce. And as long as you're meeting those factors, then the non-compete may be enforceable. So they'll they'll look to those elements. And so it's not a one-size-fits-all sort of answer. But one thing that I would note is that South Carolina courts don't follow a blue pencil rule. So they're not going to construe an agreement to make it enforceable. It has to be enforceable on its face. So in other words, if you have a, you push the envelope and writing a non-compete that's crazy, you're going to lose the protection completely. So you have to be really careful to write it up up front so it's enforceable. Is that sort of the idea? Yes, that's exactly right. Now, also from an employment law perspective, what kind of stuff are you working on these days? What are the things that are keeping you and your clients busy? Well, let's see. I mean, for a while, we had a whole wave of, you know, FLSA collective actions. So these are wage and hour, federal wage and hour claims. Yeah, federal wage and hour claims. We had we had a lot of those for a while. You know, more recently, it's been a lot of the COVID-related questions that employers have had, which I think, you know, is kind of an across-the-board thing, not very, you know, unique, I don't think, to South Carolina. You know, and then just your typical employment discrimination cases. So that's what's been keeping me busy these days. Elizabeth, on the immigration front, because I know that's where you spend your time, what's going on right now with federal law vis-a-vis things like bringing in executives or very technical folks from outside the U.S. and bringing them on a visa to work at one of these manufacturing plants in South Carolina? Yeah, I mean, I think as is the case for any of the jurisdictions throughout the United States, immigration is federal law and not state law. And so we're all suffering from the same challenges in terms of foreign workforce and immigration laws. We have constantly been waiting for there to be some updates to the immigration laws, which are relatively outdated. But on a good note, under the current administration, there does seem to be more support for foreign workforce coming to help support the foreign investment, if you will. I mean, to your specific question, a lot of the automotive companies that are coming and their suppliers, all of whom are locating in the state, the automotive industry in particular, is a just-in-time type of supply chain. And so the automotive companies need to have their suppliers relatively close in terms of proximity. So that brings a lot of investment and a lot of foreign workers into the state. But because they have oftentimes operations overseas, there are visa categories that make it a little bit easier for 
the workforce to come, whether it be the managers or executives, or whether it be the essential or specialized knowledge employees. Um, so there are a few more options available to those. For those companies that are more domestic-based, it's still relatively hard to get work visas for new hires, many of whom have been educated in the United States and are looking to stay here and make a life here. But it is getting better. It's still a challenge. And that's not unique to South Carolina. I think all states suffer from that. Got it. Well, before we close, any final words in terms of anything you think folks outside the United States might like to know about South Carolina that you think would be important if they're looking to relocate their business? Sure. One of the things that I wanted to add a little bit to the doing business aspect in South Carolina, whether they be foreign companies or domestic companies, is that South Carolina is open for business and does make as a state and as a local community a true effort to be friendly to investment, expansion, new operations in the United States. Just this week, in fact, we celebrated the completion of a project that makes the Charleston Harbor the deepest harbor on the East Coast at 52 feet. The deepened harbor will support South Carolina's economy and the Southeast supply chains. There's a strong incentive program, which I know can sometimes be a controversial issue. But when you look at, for example, some of these big hubs like Volvo, Mercedes, or BMW that have come in, the trickle effect that occurs with the tax base, the education level that comes as a result of the investments make a lot of these incentives worthwhile. So there are tax incentives and there are incentives that help your workforce be trained in South Carolina. We've got a a technical college system comprised of 16 technical colleges across the state, and they work with employers to train employees, create training programs, classes within the technical college system. We have apprenticeship programs, and we have strong four-year college and higher education universities throughout the state supporting industry and innovation as well. So I think that, that from a doing business perspective, South Carolina as a whole wants to make each business successful, whether you're expanding, whether you're coming for the first time. Well, Elizabeth and Amanda, this has been great. I really appreciate your time. Folks, if you'd like to connect with Elizabeth or Amanda, very easy to do. Their bios are right there in the description of the podcast. Click on there and you can make a connection with them immediately. I encourage all of our listeners to visit ela.law to receive invitations to other upcoming webinars, download our white papers, And maybe most importantly, access the ELA's exclusive Global Tour Handbook, which is a 50-state, 100-country compliance manual on hiring and firing worldwide. You've been listening to Employment Matters, a podcast brought to you by the Employment Law Alliance, the world's largest network of labor employment lawyers from the best law firms around the globe. I'm Steve Hirschfeld. Thank you for listening.